0: It's In The Margins. I'm Matt Fisk with my wife, Katie Fisk. Hello. And Josh Lund coming at hey, you. Hey. We're going to keep going. Our study of the book of Mark, and we're going to hit Mark
1: chapter 5.
0: So Josh, what, what what have we been doing the last few weeks here? Where are we at?
1: Yeah, you know, Jesus has been on a bit of a roll, right? He's uh, he's kind of blowing everybody's minds. Um, I think, you know, just a little bit of context over where we'll be picking up today Uh, Jesus and his disciples, they traveled across the sea. Jesus calms a storm on the way, um, kind of like that's a big deal, controlling the weather. He shows up on the shore. There's a demon-possessed guy filled with a legion of demons. And so, uh, you know, he, he heals that, a guy which nobody else had the power to even control. And uh, and then um, coming from there, we we show up with what we're going to read here in verse 21. And so, Jesus has just been doing a lot of things to show exactly, um, you know, that that there is something to him and the power that he holds. Um, but I think what we'll find out today is that um, while he holds all that power, he, he uses it in a way that I think a lot of us— maybe wouldn't. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And to uh, keep in mind, the uh, this whole time, Jesus has been the, the mighty one coming to establish a kingdom like no one has ever seen before. And uh, so that's been really yeah. cool to look at that. And I think we're going to see another thing today. So Katie's going to read our text for us.
2: All right. So Mark 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep but they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat.
0: Cool. This is a, it's like a healing within healing. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool. I, I um, w- want to start it here on who Jairus was. And what we, w- what we're given in the text is he is the synagogue ruler, but in the original language, it's Arche Synagogus, which is like a mouthful. But w- what it, what it means is, it's the, the synagogue, it, it's the archie over all the synagogue. And what they would have been is like one of the most respected members of that community. Because you, you guys remember that after the exile um, in these towns, the Jewish people, they couldn't go to the temple, so they set up synagogues. And you guys remember what the function of the synagogue was in, in like Jewish communities?
2: It was to read their text together.
0: Yeah. And they would go there every Sabbath and mm-hmm. they would talk. It was, was kind of like their version of church. Yeah. And they would do that. And the synagogue was the center of Jewish life for communities outside of Jerusalem, which was after the exile, most of them. And so this was the center of the community. But this guy probably would have been really wealthy. He would have been the one to either... Uh, build the synagogue, like had the money to build it or be the guy that had enough money to to care for the upkeep uh, to make sure that it mm. was continually built and rebuilt and taken care of. And that uh, the uh, people that, that worked there and that they, they were supported and all that kind of stuff. But then they also would have been in charge that everything of everything that happens like within the synagogue too, like the services mm. and they would have had political power like mm. influence in the community. So it, it's kind of like cross, like a mayor and a community leader with a really influential, like pastor or something like mm-hmm. that. And he's also wealthy. So this guy would have been like what most people longed to be. Everything is going for him. He's at the the top of the, the food chain kind of. Yeah. And yet he's coming and he's falling at the feet of Jesus because his daughter is sick.
2: Yeah. And then comparing that that to this woman who is unclean and is rejected, and we'll talk more about that, and she's also falling at the feet of Jesus. And so they're both mm. at their knees before Jesus, desperate, and it's like this most powerful person versus this most insignificant person. Yeah. But yeah. yet they both are desperate for Jesus. They both are afraid, and they both see their need for him. mm. Um, the bleeding woman, uh, we, we get more context about that from Leviticus 15 verse 25 through 30. It says, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time, other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period, any bed she lies on while her discharge continues, will be unclean as is her bed during her monthly period. And anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water, and they will be unclean till evening. Mm. When she is cleansed from her discharge, she must count off seven days, and after that she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must take two doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The priest is to sacrifice one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will make atonement for her before the Lord for the uncleanness of her discharge. The saddest thing is is reading this and, and knowing that she never got to do that. She oh, never man. had those seven days pass where mm. she could actually go and be made clean again. So for 12 years, oh, man. she was required by the law of Moses to be kept separate from the community. So she was not to be wow. socialized with, she was not to be touched, or you would also be made unclean. Mm. So imagine people looking at her and knowing her condition with disgust, mm. like the constant Emotion, the constant facial expression would have been discussed. So, this woman hadn't known physical touch or connection for 12 years. So, I just think of this woman being super neglected. Yeah. Uh, she was an outsider for sure. But what I am amazed by is that Jesus stops everything for this woman, mm. he doesn't let her sneak away unnoticed. He stopped and he wouldn't move forward until he acknowledged her. And he gave her all the attention, love, and compassion she had been missing for 12 years. Wow. Mm. And then on top of that, he honored her and lifted her up in front of everyone by praising her for her faith. And so mm. he also takes away all of her disgrace and shame. I think about how she was afraid of being caught and publicized. She, she was trembling. She did not want to go and admit like, okay, I was the one who touched your cloak.
0: Wow. Yeah. Right. Called out.
2: Yeah. And I know I don't. I can be afraid of the whole truth and about my life being publicized and being put on display. I don't want the mm. world to know all the reasons I've been unclean. Mm. But when I allow Jesus to do that, I actually become a demonstration of his love to the world like she did. And I'm freed mm. from my suffering in front of all, which means I'm also freed from my shame. And I can actually become a beacon of hope for all women who are still suffering like her. And I just imagine her walking away from Jesus, like tears rolling down her face, freed from her physical suffering, but also freed from her social suffering. And I feel like the second one is actually more of a miracle for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we all know what it's like to not belong. And because something's wrong with us or because we don't fit in anymore, we've all experienced that being an object of disgust or shame. We've all felt the need to hide, but he makes it safe for us to be fully known and fully seen. Um, And it, it makes me think of Isaiah 54, four through five. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will be, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. And I love that God tells us that we will forget the shame of our youth. It's because those memories often haunt me, but it's like God is saying to us, like, as you walk with me, you will unlearn shame. It will haunt you and torment you no longer. And it's like he's saying, you're going to even unlearn rejection. It will bounce off you like you never knew it.
0: That is amazing. Okay, I just had a I just had a thought. You had an epiphany? I did, because that was so powerful. Because, okay, she would have been put out of the, the temple, but she would have been put out of the synagogue, mm, too. That's so, so true. So literally, Jesus is following Jairus to his house and with everything you just said, Jesus undoes decade, a decade of shame. Mm-hmm. And who's he doing it right in front of
2: Jairus, yeah. the person the guy who was, wow.
0: like who would have put the shame on her.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: I mean, I never so, thought of that. so it's like a lesson for Jairus and the whole community of like, mm. cause cause you, you said it so well of like, the moment of being called out, like oh my gosh, that my stomach just kind of yeah. turns, like Oof, I would throw up. Yeah, like uh, honestly, I'd be like, oh no, and this is the moment that Gyrus knows exactly what you should do. You've made him unclean. You've done all this stuff. You, you're making all of us unclean. Back, back, witch, and <laughs> and then Jesus goes, no, you're, you're good. And so it's like a lesson for Gyrus, like yeah, I'm yeah. gonna heal her, and I'm gonna help you out.
2: So inside the healing sandwich, there is a lesson.
0: It's like a donut that had a (laughs) a hole in the center that fits with a donut hole. But actually, that donut hole is not a donut hole, but it's another smaller (laughs) donut. It's from Knives Out. It's from from Knives (laughs) Out.
1: Well, it it, it makes me think, you know, because every time I read this, I feel like, uh, you know, if if Jesus was a doctor, right? And you're on your way to heal somebody who's dying and you just hold on a second. Somebody touched me. Who was it? (laughs) Um, that's malpractice, right? I mean, like if wow. I'm gyrus, I'm yeah. like, dude, like, like, come on, man. Especially if I see that it's this bleeding woman who yeah. I've had to keep out of the synagogue for 12 years. And so, um, it makes even more sense why Jesus would take the time to purposely intentionally stop and, uh, and, and ask a question that everyone's like, dude, like there's, uh, there's hundred people around you. Like, what do you mean who's, who's touching you? He's like, no, no, no. Somebody touched me for a reason that Jairus needs to understand. So, wow. interesting point. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'd you know, be so upset. Said...
0: <laughs> like, yeah, like, right. Dude, uh huh. Yeah, okay. She's been going on. She's yeah, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been really yeah. hard.
1: One thing you said, Katie, that I, I I just I think is so powerful is that he, um, kind of justifies her faith and yeah. and, and kind of you know takes away the guilt. But one thing I realized about this is that like, Jesus doesn't say I have healed you. He says, your faith has healed Mm -hmm. you. Wow! And I think Hmm. that's just like, like, first of all, the super humble of Jesus, right. To like, basically give all the credit to this person. But Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, like it, you know, like our faith can do something when we choose to be faithful. It has power. It's not just, Hey, be faithful. And then just, you know, you have no control, but it's. Hey, your faith is powerful, Um, and and God gives you credit for that faith, which I think is um, undeserving, but Mm -hmm. awesome.
0: Mm. So cool, so cool.
1: So, anyways, but but yeah, I love that. There's so much there in the in the bleeding woman. Um, You know, there there, there's a couple things I I wanted to kind of bring and connect this uh story to some of the stories uh that we've been reading over the past few weeks is that okay
2: Ooh, Do it. that sounds fun Do it.
1: so you know I, and i think we've seen this in mark you know quite a few times where mark doesn't just write stories randomly but mm-hmm. he tends to write them in an order because he sees connections between them
2: yeah hmm.
1: and so i mean if we go back all the way to jesus calming the storm right um mm-hmm. You know we've got Jesus calming the storm, and he he says, "Quiet, be still," and the wind dies down. and It was completely calm, and uh, then you know, and then he says to his disciples, "Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith?" And it says they were terrified yeah. and asked each other, "Who is this?" And so you've got this first picture that doesn't make sense because Jesus just saved them, but they're more terrified after being rescued than before. And so the response to Jesus' power, Jesus' miracle, Jesus' Um, saving is, is fear. But then we, we, we go a little bit further, right? Jesus just restores a demon possessed man, right? He, he restores this guy, but how do the people of the village respond? They're afraid. I mean, like, it's the same out. exact <laughs> word in the Greek Yeah, it says that they, they were filled with fear mm-hmm. and they said, please, please leave us. Um, and so then we come here, right? Jesus raises a dead girl, heals a sick woman and we see the exact same thing right Mm. jesus heals this woman but how does the woman respond at first
2: trembling with fear
1: yeah trembling with fear the exact same word in the greek i mean mark is like he's just like yo let me just show you like how people respond to the power of jesus he's not being subtle, no yeah (laughs) no and then verse 36 overhearing what they said jesus told him don't be what
2: don't be afraid. Don't fr- yeah.
1: Don't be afraid. Just believe. You just saw what I did with this woman. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And that's the exact same thing he says every time. Just believe. Like, hmm. like don't be afraid. I'm not that kind of Messiah. Um, and so I just thought that was really cool. And I think that's going to play into maybe even um the rest of this passage if as we break it down a little bit more. But I do feel like this is the culmination of that of Jesus Mark showing us that that you know we can be afraid in the eyes of the power of God, but, um, it's a, it's a power of grace, um, a power that's meant to bring us peace yeah. rather See, than
0: you bring spirit. up an interesting question because for me, I feel like the reverses is my issue, which is, I think I'm not afraid at Jesus's power anymore. Like I don't, drive, right. but what I'm saying is that I honestly, I feel like my, my faith in, in Jesus's power hasn't Cause me to be afraid, like thinking that he is powerful enough to fear me at all like i'm right. un- like I'm underselling him to the point mm-hmm. where I, like why would I be afraid of that it's like okay he he's got the the power to do this small thing, make me a little happier, make me feel a little bit more secure. Why would I be afraid of that and i yeah. I think I wonder if my reverence and awe of mm-hmm. jesus if i if I really think like he does have that power anymore. Uh, if you're listening yeah. far into the future, we're, we're currently in quarantine during the cur- the COVID 19 stuff. And honestly, yeah. like, you know, I, I think I've stopped praying for God to just snap his fingers and the whole thing to go away. And if something like that were to happen, I think I'd be, I'd, I'd be like, it'd be amazing. But then I, I wonder like, would I be afraid mm. Would I, and, and then the, maybe the question for all of us to ask is like, do we, do we really have the reverence and all of the power that, that Jesus does have that it would scare us? to even be off-putting
1: yeah yeah so yeah point. that's a great point and i know i i love that because i think i think you're exactly right like there's a fear of god that i think we've gotten so used to the idea of god that yeah. um you know we sing all the worship songs with our hands up you know and uh, we forget that jesus tells us to pray with our head down right in submission like we, we just get so comfortable um oh. not that there's anything wrong with lifting your hands and praise I, it Just <laughs> you know what i'm saying
0: haters yeah. gonna hate man <laughs>
1: yeah man right yeah so anyways i i I think that's that's pretty cool um there's some uh there's some we were talking about a little bit uh, before we hopped on but i think there's some really cool remezes here uh we always talk about it i think sometimes it sounds a little bit cheesy but um every time we really dig into it it's really cool to see mark connecting it back but i I think especially this week there's some really really awesome stuff that mark does that if we know our bibles uh, like these people did, we'd we'd catch on to pretty quick.
0: Just a reminder um, for if you're hopping in with us, a ramez is a hint from the the New Testament that a rabbi would use. That's a reference to the Old Testament, kind of like an Easter egg. But the Easter egg isn't just a side thing; it's the like a huge thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one that uh, Matt you brought up earlier that I uh, I was just doing a little bit more research on, and I think it's really cool. You're talking about Elisha and how we've seen him a lot throughout this book of Mark. Yeah, it's and weird. Some of the ramezes. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. More than anything. And we know, yeah, right, Elijah, um, you know, one of the greatest miracles he does is bringing back to life the son of the Shunammite woman, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I, I just realized, it's super cool, is right after Elisha brings to life the son of the Shunammite woman, what does he go and do?
0: Gives do him, you remember?
1: Gives him back
0: to her? Is
1: that- He gives him back, yeah, and then the very next story Is the story? It's in Second Kings chapter four, where it's the the um, the pot of food, right? And that in there is death. But if you put Mm -hmm. flour in it, there's no more death. And what does Jesus tell the girl to do right when she wakes up?
2: Is to eat. To Mm. go and
1: eat, which makes no sense. Why would Mark say go and eat? Like I I know I'm always wondering that. that. Such a weird Um, thing to
0: include. Yeah,
1: but I think it's cool because in Second Kings four, he says when you put the flour in there, right, there will be no more death in the pot, and you can eat it. And just he literally just rose this girl from the dead. There's no more death. There's no more suffering. Mm. Um, We've removed the death from the pot uh, of food, and so I just thought that was super cool. Um, That is cool, you know. uh, You know, and we've seen Elisha connected to him so many times. I like that. Fun, Um, yeah. But, anyways, but I think there's there's more. Any, Any other things that you guys have seen?
0: Well, I, OK, so the thing that we were talking about beforehand is the the idea of touching the corner yeah. of his garment. And I think that's that's another like, you know, random thing that if I if I can just even touch his garment, like even right. just the corner of it. And and that's on the on the edge of the garment. We were looking at this back in Numbers, uh, it's Numbers 15, where God yeah. commands his people to at the corner of their garments to put um, a bunch of tassels on the end, and I think Josh, you were saying how many tassels?
2: Six hundred thirteen well,
0: threads, each, right? Each of
1: the tassels is made of six hundred thirteen threads to remind you of the six hundred thirteen laws. Um, that is a lot of threads.
0: and and um, but but then Numbers fifteen says one of those needs to be a cord of blue, uh, mm. and and why is so that you remember to know uh, to to remember to do the commandments which is really, really interesting. Like, so they, it's one of those external reminders. Look at that. It'll remind you to obey God's law, obey God's will. And we were talking about this. We, like why blue? Like, why would you, I have a blue one.
2: Yeah. And, it must mean something.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, the rabbis are all over the place on that one. They're like, one was saying, well, if you, it blue resembles the sea, which resembles the sky, which is where God's throne is. And so if you see it, you remember it, then you <laughs> do it. And I'm like, okay, Maybe, um and and I think it's a question to, to ask and and wrestle with the the minutia of this, mm-hmm. but there is something about God's law being fulfilled, like something about the 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 corner of God's or corner of the the garments is to remember to fulfill God's commands, which is interesting because then you take that and then I think Josh, you had something else, right? Like
1: yeah, yeah, um. If you go back and you listen to the Bama episode on this, they go into pretty good depth on it. Um, But just for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, you know, in in Malachi chapter four, two, uh, it says that there will be healing in his wings. Um, You know, and, and, and this is a prophecy about the Messiah and things even going on during that time. But this idea of healing in his wings or I think in the New Testament or excuse me, the NIV, it's healing in his rays. But that word wings or rays, uh, it's the same exact word in Numbers fifteen thirty-eight that says, you know, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments. Mm-hmm. And so if this woman knew her Bible, right, if she knew her scriptures of the Old Testament, she would know this passage in Malachi 4, 2 and know as she approaches, man, if I just touch the corners of his garments, mm-hmm. right, th- then I know Malachi four two says, I will find healing there. So let me just reach out and touch this. And I think um, that, that that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. so faithful.
2: Yeah, Josh, before we go, I know you're mentioning that this thing is basically like a sandwich.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sandwich is the um, the newer contemporary word. Uh, back in the day, they used to call it a chiasm, but you know, we're past that. <laughs> I like sandwich. Uh, you know, yeah, a chiasm, for those of you who, who, who don't. Uh, quite know what that is it's basically a literary structure that um people during this time would use and it was it was well known um but it's basically kind of like uh you you write things in an a b c c b a uh it's the most common chiasm and that's what i believe we see here but usually right in between you know the the, you know the middle of it is kind of the main point that the author wants you to walk away from Mm -hmm. um and so that Go with me here and and tell me if you see, um, there's a couple things in here that every time I read it, I'm always trying to figure out like, why is that there? Like it doesn't, it, there's no point. One of those things is the fact that he mentions that the woman had been bleeding for 12 years and that the girl was 12 years old. Oh my god. I never noticed that. that? Why
0: did I not connect that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, but there's also the fact that they're both of these women are considered daughters. Um, mm. The bleeding woman, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. And Jairus says, my daughter is dying. Mm. Now, obviously, this was not Jesus's daughter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but but again, Mark decides, let me include this word because I want you to be able to tell yeah. what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. And so here, here's the chiasm uh, that I believe is here. And I think it really points us to the center of like kind of the culmination of what Mark's been writing about for the past, uh, you know, couple chapters. So here we go. So it starts out, um, verse 25, you know, he talks about the woman bleeding for 12 years, right? And he also closes it out, like I just mentioned in verse 42, that the girl was 12 years old. So those are kind of the bookends of this chiasm. The next thing that we see is that Jesus um, puts his hands on um, the, the the woman. Um, actually, you know what? Hold on just a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't All worry, right. I'll just cut Did this. Did you pause part? it? No, but I'll just oh, cut okay, it. okay, cool, cool. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, then, then if we keep on going, right, we see in verses 27 and 30, just this idea of Jesus touching something that would make him unclean, right? A woman touching him and then mm. him touching her, um, uh, well, you know, back and forth. And we see the same exact thing as we look a little bit further in verse 41, that he touched the girl who would have been dead, which would have made him unclean by right. touching her. Mm. And uh, so, so that that's kind of the next level in. Then the next thing that we see is the idea of confusion. Uh, We see that in verse 31 that, you know, everyone's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you know, why are you asking who touched me? That makes no sense. And we see the same idea of doubt and confusion in verse 40, but they laughed at him. Right. They, 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 like, are we talking about dude, like that makes no, no sense that she is, uh, you know, just sleeping. So that's the next level. And then we go a little bit further and we see again, this idea of fear that I talked about. We see it in verse 33, um, the woman who, uh, you know, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell to see trembling with fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also see the same thing in verse 36, overhearing what they said. You know, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Right. So yeah. that Greek word, same exact Greek word, next level in. Hmm. And then finally, before we get to the very center, we see um, in, uh, in, in, in verse 34 and 35, this idea of, um, you know, the, the idea of daughter. Right, so he said mm-hmm. to her daughter, and then wow. verse thirty-five, mm. um, the da- your daughter is dead. So what's right in between those? Well, it's when Jesus tells the bleeding woman, "Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." Mm. Um, you know that that this idea of, of fear, this idea of you've got uh, uh, you know somebody who's um, you know been bleeding and been separated and been suffering for twelve years. You've got the you know the, this this you know alien who's been separated from. Uh, his people by, you know, because of the demons that he's got inside of them and and who wouldn't have even, you know, been a Jew, but a Gentile, right? The alien, you've just got all these people that Jesus, I feel like is saying this to all together of go in peace and be free from your suffering. Like no more fear. There's, there's peace to be had when you come to me. Um, I'm not meant to bring fear. I'm meant to bring peace and to free you from your suffering. So pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Thanks so much, Josh. Um, so as as we try to do uh, each week, we're going to try to land the plane, which is to take all this stuff we've been talking about and make it real for our lives. And uh, the the thing that I noticed with this is that in order, Mark five goes Legion, who is an alien, the Jairus' daughter, who's not an orphan but a child, and then the wi- the bleeding woman, who is a widow that Jesus is alleviating the, the pain and suffering from the alien, the orphan and the widow, right. which is who God is most concerned about in the old Testament to make sure that these people are cared for yeah. the aliens, the orphans and the widow. Cause these are the people that get left behind. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, I am going after these people and I'm bringing them in. I am healing them. But the other thing is that Jesus is not forgetting the people that have actually treated them poorly. So say Jairus, who probably is this person in power, probably kept the bleeding woman out of the synagogue. Well, he's, he's, his pain and suffering is alleviated too. So in Jesus, in his kingdom, he brings in the excluded and the excluders. Wow. And it is all about bringing healing to people that are in pain and suffering. And I think that's, that's the thing for our, Our heart, our mind, like those tassels. And I I think there's something about looking at the blue cord, looking at the commandments, that the fulfillment of this, the obedience is about bringing healing, not about doing all this stuff perfectly, but healing lives. I think we have to ask ourselves, is our religion, our faith, the things that we believe, are they for us only or are they to bring healing to people, Hmm. to the aliens, the orphans, the widows, the excluded and the exclude Amen. Well, well, I think that's going to be enough for today. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for listening to In the Margins. I'm Matt Fisk, my wife Katie Fisk, and Josh Lund. You can catch uh, more of what we've got. You can go to nvca.academy for more interesting things, more podcasts, things to read and watch. Uh, Shoot us an email if you have stuff that you have questions about, thoughts, and things for us to cover. So thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.
1: Later.